The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is really very interesting. It's a whole new issue of our digital assets after we die and in our estate plan. And people aren't even thinking about that. They, you know, they have their social networking websites. They've got their online banking, their their finances, all of their uh Frequent flyer mileage, everything is is really online now. And what happens when we die? And how will will the domains and will all of the companies, the internet companies, allow us to do what we want to do with it? It's a huge privacy issue, and are our secrets going to be revealed? So this is a, a fascinating issue and I read an article by Kevin Snyder that I thought was just fascinating and he happens to be a wonderful Orange County attorney in Irvine so I thought we'd interview him and talk about this issue. Let me tell you a little bit about Kevin. Kevin Snyder of Kevin Law is a husband, father, and an estate planning attorney and he's dedicated to his clients and his family. His firm, Snyder Law PC, is based in Irvine, California, and their mission is to provide their clients with the peace of mind that who and what they love are protected today and in the future when they're gone as well. So Kevin is originally from Connecticut. We'll see if we hear his accent. And he graduated from Boston College and University of Richmond uh, Law School and came to Southern California where he met his wife um, when they were Jesuit volunteer in the Volunteer Corps. And he has... um, He has spent time studying abroad at Cambridge University, and he earned his LLM, that's his master's in law, at Cal Western School of Law. And so we are just thrilled to talk to him about what's going on with digital rights. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, Kevin, let's let's really talk, what in the heck are digital assets? Well, um, digital assets are all around us, and you know you might not think about it. It might not come to mind quite readily. So, a little exercise 
that I ask uh, clients to do and, you know, friends and family when they ask, just sit down for about five minutes and think about what you use on a daily basis. Um, your phone. Your phone is a digital asset. It has information on it, too, that also are individual digital assets. You mm-hmm. do any banking, any online accounts is a digital a- uh, asset. Email. Um, if you have a blog or a domain name, maybe you run a business online, those are all digital assets. Any sort of information that you store on um, a cloud-based system like Google Drive or Dropbox or Box, mm-hmm. YouTube is huge. Any of that content is a digital asset. Um, and there might be some intellectual property rights associated with that. And the, and the big one, I think, for most people these days are social media accounts like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all contain a lot of important information about yourself um, and as well as uh, digital media uh, on there that are all digital assets. Yeah, and when I think, <laughs> when, when you were saying this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, everything I do is online, right? Everything I do is online. I, I can't even imagine if I were to be hit by a truck right now, if everybody could even find everything I've got and all my websites, right? What happens exactly. to it's, it's insane. And that's part of the problem, right? Yeah. Um, and when and what uh, is uh, interesting is uh, another aspect is you're saying we're moving online in a lot of respects, especially with banks. Uh, there are a lot of online-only banks, no longer brick-and-mortar places, and you can only access your accounts by logging in online. There's no place to walk into, no person to talk to. Um, so that provides some uh, unique issues and problems when you think about if you become sick or ill and incapacitated or you pass away, what happens uh, to the money that you have in the online bank. Right, and your passwords, and what if your family doesn't have your passwords, or can they use your passwords legally? I mean, there's all of these questions. So what made you, I guess, obviously, just having your clients, have you had any challenges with any of your clients that um, their the decedents, um, you know, left digital assets and their family couldn't get into it? Was that ever a problem that you've seen? I've had conversations with a number of uh, corporate trustees uh, about this issue recently, uh, particularly in regards to online banks, where uh, the decedent uh, did not leave express language in their estate planning documents, their trust, or their will, um, and it's not clear what the rights are and what their abilities are, and they run into issues when talking to the institutions, even when showing a, a death certificate or a passing along uh, parts of the uh, the trust and showing that uh, that they are in fact the successor trustee and they do in fact have certain powers but uh, it, it's a very nebulous area when you're talking about a digital asset is it incorporated as um, a normal type of an asset that might be elicited in the actual uh, trust or or the power of attorney if you're incapacitated so there's not a lot of clarity and What's been happening is that the institutions uh, are denying the requests and denying access because they're um, obviously concerned about violating the federal privacy laws. Uh, it's not that they are mean-spirited and don't want to uh, help out or uh, throw up needless roadblocks. There are just laws they're trying to be compliant with, and particularly in today's day and age, they're heavily scrutinized and highly uh, uh, regulated and that they don't want to misstep and so uh, they err on the side of extreme caution and deny access. Oh my goodness, so then all of the heirs are up in arms, the trustee and, and 
you know, the executor are, <laughs> are getting yelled at, like, help us out here. So that must be a, a real mess. That turns into a lawsuit, doesn't it? They, like, end up wanting to f- it, it sue. Does. Yeah. And the, the whole purpose of uh, engaging in estate planning and setting up a, a trust, for example, is to avoid the quagmire of probate. Um, right. But what happens is that there's a new quagmire that's come up. And while, of course, you've avoided a lot of other pitfalls regarding probate, you've found yourself in probate court on this distinct issue in a new quagmire. So in the <sighs> end, it, it has this appearance that um, that you haven't avoided the mess uh, that you the decedent had hoped to in doing the planning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just brings up just a whole bunch of stuff. So let's talk about what people should do. There's people, there are business people driving by, there's students driving by. I mean, students, they probably, you know, have so much up there, too. I mean, they have to think about whether they want to have um, some kind of a, a an estate plan about, God forbid, they get in a car accident or something as well. What are their digital, even if they have no financial assets, they may have digital assets. So it really affects right. all of us. So um, so what are some of the things that you think, what, what should people do to include the digital assets in their estate plan? Sure. So first I'd like to say, um, particularly for college students, and I'm, I remember being a college student and thinking I, I didn't have much money and eating ramen noodles and uh, <laughs> looking back and and now in life and saying, how the heck did I live off of that every month? Right. Uh, but these college students would be surprised. Uh, digital assets do have uh, actual financial value. Uh, McAfee estimated in a, in a recent study that on average, uh, digital assets for an average person in America uh, can be about thirty-seven thousand mm. um, dollars, and that's no different um, if you're a college student. In fact, uh, you know a lot of college students are uh, out there setting up business, online businesses, or blogs, or are doing some great things. So they actually might have more than they think. So it's even uh, as important, if not more important, for the younger millennial generation as they uh, come up and are dealing more with uh, digital. Um, things on the internet and creating businesses um, that they provide protections early. So what can they do? So the first thing, uh, I kind of touched on it already, what I do with uh, clients is I, I have them sit down and just make a list. And it's an important exercise to help them identify what it is that they have. And that goes for any type of asset that you have, but particularly with digital assets. What do I use on a daily basis? What actually do I have there? Because the last thing you want is to have your family or your successor trustees, your fiduciary scrambling to figure out what what did Kevin own? What did he have? What right. type of websites did he have or accounts did he have? And it becomes uh, quite the uh, treasure hunt so to speak, and that in and of itself can drag out the administration of your estate or settling your affairs, to say say it a little bit more easily. We're all uh, concerned on some level about just making it easy to settle our affairs and making it easy for those who are following our footsteps to just put things to rest. And making a list is the first step in doing that. And in making the list, also writing down what your username and passwords are. Um, Certainly, nowadays, you're required to uh, change your password more frequently, um, make 
you know, all sorts of different permutations of passwords that aren't easily remembered. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I find that oftentimes I forget and have to click the forget password button. Right. So right. it's important even for someone in life, this could have benefit for you as you're doing it. But think about if, if you're having problems remembering what it is that you have or how to access it, uh, it's going to be uh, nearly impossible for somebody coming behind you uh, when you're not able to tell them yourself. Yeah. What do you think about something like LastPass, and then you um, you give your trustee, you know, um, access to LastPass. LastPass is a password um, organizer, you know, that manages it. What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. You can do something like that. However. Uh, the issues that LastPass itself would have is that it being a digital asset, so to speak, uh, there are some problems potentially just having the, the trustee access uh, 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 that. And, uh, or if uh, for some, some reason the password changed or what have you, the, the, the privacy laws are really delicate because yeah. you can give someone username and password, they can access it te- you know, technically because they have your username and password. Right. Um, but uh, there are some questions whether or not that might be legal. Right. Um, so <laughs> it, when, when making your list, and again, that's why these institutions are, are concerned, particularly if you're dealing with a corporate trustee who's and a corporate trustee is somebody that works for a financial institution or a bank, they're, yeah. they're concerned yeah. about well, um, you know, the decedent left us the username and password, or the family has it, and they've given it to us, um, but we don't want to just access their their accounts because we have access to the username or password. Uh, again, there's that's why there's these conflicts with the privacy yeah. laws that make things a lot very difficult. So that is one method, and it and it could could happen that a trustee could access it. Uh, I would say that if it's a corporate trustee. Uh, as of today, they, they would not do that. They would not, um, the corporate trustees I've talked to would not access something simply because they have the username or password. Mm. If it were a family member or a friend, uh, probably, you'd probably have more likely success in that situation simply because they're unaware, number one, of what the laws are, and um, they're not concerned about uh, any potential litigation. Right. Um, so, uh, when, uh, so you uh, you should make a list of your username and passwords just for posterity, but don't make sure you're keeping them in a way in a way that is protected. In other right. words, don't just make the list and include it in your estate planning documents, particularly if you're just writing a will, because a will is uh, still going to go to probate court and be probated, and pro- right. probate court is the public court, and the last thing that you need is to have certain information be known to the world. So. I'm I'm saying use this as an exercise to write down what it is that you have and how you access it as step one. Then step two is and wait a minute. And I just want to add on that that you're going to want to encrypt that and have another password to unencrypt it if you're going to keep it on your computer because that's you know that's another thing you're going <laughs> to you have to worry about somebody accessing your computer or if it's just sitting on your computer with all of your passwords. Absolutely. (laughs) That is a a great point and is one that we explain to clients, is that you're encrypting this information if it's kept digitally. Mm -hmm. And encourage them to put put that on a flash drive, for example, separate and apart from their computer. 
Right. Uh, in a locked yeah, cabinet. So in, a, <laughs> in, a, in a safe, a yeah. uh, fireproof safe, and you have ultimate protection. And what you can do is you can provide your successor trustees the the extra key to the safe um, and let them know, just like you would with a safe deposit box at the right. bank. In fact, that could be the safe that you, I'm talking about in this situation. Right. Um, so you're providing your successor trustee with access uh, to that information, and they know the en- encrypted password uh, to access it. Step two is to pr- is to set up your estate planning such that you are providing the authorization in writing in a notarized document that these individuals have the authority to have access to usernames and passwords and that you've provided that to them mm-hmm. so that there is some sort of protection against any potential future litigation that someone says, oh, you violated some law because he accessed uh, something online. Um, so you've made it clear that you've done that. And you've also broadly defined what digital, digital assets are. Mm-hmm. So that a institution can't come back and say, well, sure, the document says that it's uh, that you have access to certain digital a- assets, but the ones that we control don't fall on, under that definition in your estate planning. So mm-hmm. you want to be very broad, bec- and because there are certain things that don't exist yet, that haven't been created, and right. we are in an age where things are changing very rapidly in the digital space, and there could be some uh, new things that are coming up uh, that we aren't uh, putting in certain definitions because we're listing out a social media account to include Facebook, Instagram. You don't want to be that specific. Right. So you would just say any and all digital assets of any kind on any device? <laughs> I mean, how are you gonna, how broad can Correct. you be? Yeah. Any sort of... Uh, <laughs> financial um, institution that has a, a presence um, physically or digitally or solely digitally um, you know you, you want you want to be very o- overly inclusive of right. what your your assets are in, in your plan and I, and I would suggest as I mentioned that, um, to set up your digital asset planning through a estate planning document that that's not going to be made public so right. what I'm saying is do it in a, a, at the very least, a revocable living trust because that right. is something that's going to be administered outside of a public court. Right. So that'll ensure some um, some additional privacy as well. Yeah. When you do, a, you usually do a will as a backup, right? Don't you usually do both when you're doing a, a trust? Am I correct? You do. You 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 would set up a pour over will. Yeah. Uh, along with your revocable living trust. So correct. you can refer to uh, items that. Um, you can refer to something, right? I mean, you can refer to that all of this is in a in a safety deposit box or something, or or how would you do that to refer to it? You're, there's a there's a couple of different ways you can handle it. You'll you typically you would have a schedule uh, to include in your uh, your trust in your estate plan that would list the assets that you have. That's a, a nice place as well to be very specific. Um, about that catalog of what you have. Right, um, right. This would not be the, the place where you would put username, password, right. credentials, but just the catalog of what, what you had. So it would be um, extra clear for your um, trustees to know, well, these are uh, what was considered. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, if you're, you can also be general and, and list something like a, a items contained in the safe deposit box, for, for example. Okay. Um, but what I'm saying being, and I want to p- 
point of clarification uh, is what I'm saying being very general about the definition of digital assets. Right. That's uh, to provide for the power of your trustees to have authority to, to manage and control, sell, um, uh, use uh, these digital assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to be restrictive here. A catalog is something different. You're not restricting the definition of digital assets to what you're putting on a schedule or catalog of your assets. That's different. You're just uh, Those are two separate things, and you're defining of what digital assets are. You're giving a broad definition. Right. And then in a, in a separate section, you're saying, well, these are the, actually the digital assets I have as of this time. Right. But... Um, it's to include more uh, more than just this, but this is what I do know about. If there are anything, anything else falls under the definition, it's to be included as well. Right, right. So uh, what exactly does California law say about digital assets? Well, interesting you should ask, because California law um, doesn't specifically say anything in regards to digital assets, and that's, mm. uh, that's part of the problem of where we are. However, there is a, a Senate bill... Uh, pending right now called the Privacy Expectation After Life and Choices Act. And uh, as of June 16th, uh, it is out of committee and it's on the floor and it's been ordered back for a third reading. And what this uh, the what this bill proposes and will be helpful, it's going to uh, give a uh, more specific definition of what digital assets are and it's going to provide the user of the asset, so you and me and anybody who has any sort of digital asset, uh, it's going to provide them with a path to use estate planning to give their fiduciaries access to their digital assets. So it's going to be, the law is going to be very clear saying, you know what, uh, digital assets are assets just like everything else, and you're going to be able to uh, declare in your estate planning uh, what you want to do what you want to have happen with those assets, who you want to control those assets, and what powers they have to manage them, just like you would a home, just like you would a normal bank account or an investment account. Um, So it just makes it very clear. In addition, um, it also provides a mechanism for the court to uh, get involved if these online institutions continue to deny, because what what issue is still going to be there is this conflict of laws. This is a California state law. There are federal privacy laws. And so uh, these online institutions are national, and they're going to be very concerned with uh, the federal privacy laws and might still deny uh, a a request from a a trustee saying, hey, uh, they said in the estate plan and the the trust here that uh, I have um, access to these digital assets the institution might say no. Well, the new law in front of the Senate right now, this uh, California bill, is saying that uh, the probate court can get involved and still and still issue an order uh, for these companies to comply uh, with the California law, uh, assuming that there's proof that the trustees can provide that shows that the person had the user had the intention to have these digital assets accessed and the manner in which they were to have accessed, which they will if they provide some sort of uh, testamentary documentation, estate planning documentation like a will or a trust. Mm-hmm. So the, the law is going to just make it more clear that digital assets can come uh, into the realm of what we normally call assets. And, and, um, but it's, we're not out of the woods yet. 
Yeah, I was going to say there there might be all these arguments about federal preemption that you were just talking about that the federal laws would preempt them from doing it. Electronic store. There's just so many federal laws regarding uh, you know <laughs> regarding electronic stored assets, and oh my gosh, it's it's insane. Sure. Yeah, I mean we have a, a long road ahead of us, and there's going to be additional litigation, and uh, it's going to go to uh, federal court of appeals, and maybe ultimately even the Supreme Court, depending on um, what happens at the Court of Appeal level. So there, there's still a long road ahead, but this is an important first step to have a law on the books in California um, that actually uh, provides some guidance as to what ha- has happened. Now, Florida uh, recently um, passed an act that's similar to what California is trying to do. It's called the Florida Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act, and it went into effect July 1st of this uh, this year. And uh, it it does, uh, in a little more detail, uh, what California is trying to do as far as defining digital assets, uh, what people can do in their estate planning to provide for digital assets, and what happens to those digital assets if someone becomes incapacitated as, as opposed to uh, passing away. Hmm. I'm wondering about all these loyalty programs. Like, I have all this frequent flyer mileage, <laughs> you know? I know that when uh, when we do a, a divorce, it's kind of a hassle to uh, to transfer because they make you pay a fortune to transfer from one to the other. So we usually work out something that the other one buys the other a ticket or something. But I'm just thinking of all my loyalty rewards uh what happens to those do you have any idea about that i do and i've been having some recent conversations with clients on this uh this summer obviously summer's a great time to get on a plane and travel somewhere uh to relax so naturally these questions come up and you know what the the answer to this is going to sound like a lawyer answer because it is (laughs) your your loyalty pro um points or uh, programs with credit cards or, or airlines here are, are simply, they're contractual. And so you need to look at the actual contract, the language that um, not many of us actually read, the fine print uh, that kind of goes by the wayside. Uh, but it provides some guidance in there. Now, for example, I could tell you American Airlines, um, uh, there's, there has been some, uh, they've been in the news recently about whether or not uh, you can gift your American Airlines points. And uh, American Airlines has, has said, then clarified, that they do indeed uh, transfer mileage to heirs. Um, but that hasn't necessarily been their practice uh, in, in the past as far as by application, but they've come out and clarified that. So uh, they can do that. United has a procedure for transferring miles, um, but you have to ask about it, just like with a lot of uh, places. You've got to ask about it. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is even in situations where um, if the contract might say, well, no, you can't transfer these, uh, they cease upon death, uh, simply pick up the phone and, and talk to somebody. Right. Um, and you might, you might find that you get a different result uh, if you just ask nicely. Yeah, because I'm thinking my Marriott miles, you know what I mean, my Marriott, I just have tons of those, and oh my goodness. I mean, that seems that my my children or my husband should be able to use those if I can't use those, if I'm not here. Wow. Right. It's, it's, It'll say, it, most likely, a lot of the programs say may not be transferred on, upon death, and like I said, American Airlines... Uh, that's not their the situation. They're they're different. They're uh, ahead above others. But 
um, it, it, they, airlines and other uh, rewards programs don't get a lot of requests like this. So if you just ask nicely, they'll do a case-by-case analysis and make exceptions to their own rules. Yeah, I'm just wondering if people want to keep their personal story. You know, I've seen uh, Facebook accounts of people who have been deceased, you know, and I'm wondering about that if they say, I want to keep my my Facebook account even when I'm gone. What about that? What what does Facebook and some of the social networking say? Uh, well, Facebook actually has uh, a, a legacy contact where you can set up in advance uh, for uh, your Facebook page to be memorialized and mm-hmm. indicate who would be able to manage it and who would have access to that. But it would be limited in scope for the memorial purposes. They wouldn't be... Uh, couldn't they, add they to it, yeah. yeah. They, they couldn't uh, yeah, access the entire account. Uh, Google has an inactive account manager that you can set up uh, such that after you know a period of inactivity, um, Google uh, will shut down your account and uh, issue whatever sort of message that you might uh, pre-design uh, and write to your contacts, um, explaining to them that your account's being shut down, so on and so forth. So you can do that. But again, the people that you would name there wouldn't have access to all of your, your Google account. It would just be very limited in scope. Well, who would ever so believe that as an estate planning attorney that you would have to become so techy, right? <laughs> and know all this technology and all this stuff. But we are out of time, Kevin. We could talk forever. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. So we're going to have to go, but why don't you give your website? And um, we've been speaking with Kevin Snyder. So what's your website? And then it's time to go. You can check us out at www.snyderlawpc.com. And it's been a pleasure. Okay, we'll we'll talk again soon. We'll we'll keep up on all this digital information for our afterlife. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mari. Bye now. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. And the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.